I'm Dr. Phil Carruthers, and this is All the Phil's, where I share with you my personal life experiences, including some professional ones. If you're looking for encouragement, hope, and some fun stories, you come to the right place. On today's episode, I share with you my experience with doing medical school in one of the most beautiful places on earth, the Caribbean island of Anguilla. Let's get to it. Welcome back. Episode four. All right. Hard to believe that we're already four episodes in. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, I encourage you to go listen to those. I've had some great feedback from those. I appreciate everyone listening, you know, close friends, families, and even new friends that I've met along the way. People who enjoy listening to the content that I provide. And I'm just very thankful and excited that you're listening on a weekly basis. Episode four. Can't believe it. And if this is your first time listening, I welcome you to all the fills. I'm so happy that you're listening, that you chose to listen to this podcast. Uh, One of the many, many long list of podcasts that are out there. I'm thankful that you're listening to mine at this present moment. So thank you. Uh, Let's get to it. Before we jump into the main topic, which is my experience in the Caribbean as a medical student, I wanted to talk about my current progress right now with residency. So we're Uh, midway through week two of my pathology residency, and I have seen some amazing things. Uh, Things that, honestly, you don't really hear about in medical school. You you don't really, you're not really prepared for them. Uh, The general consensus is that uh, there's just not really a whole lot of pathology exposure to you as a medical student, whether U.S. or IMG. You know, I am an IMG, which is an international medical graduate, so I went to a uh, non-U.S.-based medical school. Um, the med school that I did go to had a bunch of Americans there. They also had Canadians. I met my first Canadian friend in medical school, and I developed some close friendships with them. Uh, you know, they got to hear this Alabama boy accent, and I got to hear their Canadian accent. And, you know, we like to mess with each other about our accents, but uh, the friendship is there. The camaraderie is real, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So uh, residency. So, yeah, a lot of it. Um, has been involving grossing, you know, actually uh, grossing specimens, uh, you know, from colon polyps to actual, you know, gallbladders and taking those large gallstones out. And uh, I mean, just a large range of specimens. Uh, I think got to do a fallopian tube. Uh, got to help assist on a, you know, a breast specimen. A, um, I mean, just just a whole myriad of things. And again, when I talk about grossing, we are literally getting these specimens and we are laying them down on a cutting board. We are either, you know, slicing them with our scalpel, we're taking measurements, we're giving physical descriptions, and we're actually creating dictation reports so that uh, pathologists can read these and they can uh, better see, you know, what do we see grossly? What are we actually looking at with the naked eye right now? What measurements are we dealing with? And then uh, as we, you know, prepare these specimens, we're putting them into these little things called cassettes. You know, not like the old school 1980s, 1990s cassettes. You know, you stick it in a tape deck, you, you know, play your favorite, you know, Chumbawamba song or Pearl Jam song or whatever awesome band there were back in the 90s. Uh, you know, these are actual little cassettes. Um, I'd say they're they're about like maybe, you know, two by two inches, um, you know, go Google it sometime. It's like, it's like a little holder for tissue specimens and then you close it up. 
uh, they're very small. So, uh, you know, we, we prepare them for, um, you know, looking uh, under a microscope and eventually a diagnosis is going to be made, right? We can't look at it and just say, oh, that's going to be a squamous cell carcinoma or, oh, that's going to be some kind of uh, neoplasia or some kind of, you know, uh, malignancy. So, you know, that's what we're doing right now. We're preparing for that. So it, it's pretty great being a pathology resident. You start at the very, very beginning, and then, you know, you start from the macroscopic, seeing what the object is to the microscopic, uh, preparing for that. So, you know, and another thing, too, I actually got to sit in on an autopsy, actually two of them. Uh, I've never gotten to do that before. And, you know, you see what happens from beginning to end. And obviously there's, there's a respect factor that's going on there. Um, you know, you, you get to learn about their past medical history. You know, what led to them uh, to their, you know, mortality? What led to them expiring? And I'll be honest, at first it was a different feeling. I'm not used to just seeing a dead body there. And then you open up said dead body. I'm just not used to that. Uh, I I understand if this kind of makes you squeamish. I'm not going to go into too much detail about exactly what we do, but uh, as a you know as a resident, as a pathology resident, when you're doing these autopsies, you know you're trying to do it in a systematic way. You're trying to do it by a step by step process so that you make sure that you don't overlook something uh, that could potentially help aid in finding a cause of death. And it's more than just trying to find a cause of death, right? Families, a lot of times, they want closure. They want to know what happened. Was this was this expected? Was this unexpected? Could this have been prevented? You know, there's all these questions that families have, and obviously we want to make sure that we can give them the most answers possible uh, in this time, right? Because they're not just trying to find answers to how their loved one passed. They're also grieving, right? Uh, in our, ep- our second episode, you know, we talk about grief, uh, you know, going through all those, you know, five stages, um, you know, maybe in order, maybe not, maybe concurrently. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of things to consider, especially during this, right? Pathologists, it's not just about trying to, you know, study disease states. I mean, but you're you're still a physician too, and you're still caring and worrying about patients uh, and their loved ones. We never want to just treat the disease. We want to treat the patient, right? That's for all physicians, not just pathologists. That's for all physicians, right? We want to make sure that we're humans first and then physicians, right? We need to have that heart for others. We need to understand and show that empathy, not sympathy, empathy. We want to put ourselves in their shoes. You know, how would we feel if our father was dying of cancer? And how would we want our father or our mother or our loved one, whoever it may be, how would we want them treated? We would want them to have the absolute best care that this world can provide. So having that mindset, having that perspective, you know, that's as a physician, that's what you want to have. I mean, it can be, uh, you know, it could be draining at times, you know, a big thing in the physician world, uh, especially, you know, the residency physician world is burnout. Burnout is a real thing. Um, And burnout, when I talk about that, that's literally, you feel overwhelmed, you feel overworked, uh, you know, having to deal with all these caseloads, all, you know, having to make sure that you cover your bases so that nothing gets lost in the system. You make sure that patient care is at the highest quality possible. And a lot of times it may take a toll on your physical health. It may take a toll on your mental health. And one of the big, many things that you can do to avoid burnout is to be open about it, to talk about it. I have some great colleagues, uh, two other individuals that I work with on a daily basis, 
uh, you know, we're both first time pathologists, you know, this is all new for us too. It's not just me that it's new for This is new for all, you know, the, the two of my other colleagues. And we both can relate to one another. We share about our struggles. We share about the difficulties of it. But we also have that massive support for each other, right? You never want to keep it bottled in. Open up. And when you open up, you realize, oh, wow, I'm not the only one that's struggling here. You know, open up. And so that's what's made this residency amazing. You know, uh, my attendings, uh, everybody that is part of the program, they always say, if you have questions, we are here to help you with that right? There's no stupid question. Ask that question, right? Ask away. And, you know, having that comfort zone, having that ability to ask those questions, it has definitely made residency pretty amazing. And I'm happy to be in pathology too. I think that helps as well. Um, you know, again, I used to be, you know, I was in pediatrics and, um, you know, I'm, I'm so excited now to be doing something and learning about something that I have a passion for. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the disease states behind pediatrics. I do. I They actually have a fellowship for uh, pediatric pathology. And uh, majority, uh, if not, you know, majority of pathology fellowships are usually one year in duration. Uh, I believe neuropath, um, you know, focuses on the nervous system. Uh, that's usually uh, two years, I believe, maybe three. I'll have to double check. Uh, but this one, you know, majority of them are one year. So... You know, it's exciting to think that I can, you know, still keep my passion for, you know, disease states and, you know, how diseases affect the human body, uh, especially those of the pediatric population, uh, especially as they're growing, they're developing, you know, what their immune systems are doing, uh, all that. So it's very exciting times, right? So, uh, you know, learning not just the macroscopic, you know, uh, everything from grossing specimens and, you know, doing autopsies autopsies. I'm also learning about the microscopic level, uh, getting familiarized with what cells look like under a microscope, what, uh, you know, the morphologists of, th- of things, you know, how do we describe these cells? You know, what are we looking at? What's normal? What's abnormal? Uh, looking at different tissues, tissues such as, you know, from the uterus, you know, within the uterus, the endometrium, whether we're looking at different, uh, you know, small intestine, the colon, you know, all these different areas of the body that we're looking at, you know, I'm familiarizing myself with those tissue associations, and I'm not used to doing that. So it's very exciting times. It's a lot. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those you need to have a heart, a passion to learn, right? You're not going to know everything up front. You're, you're just not. Uh, you can't fear learning. You can't. If you don't know something, learn about it. You know, have that confidence to learn about it. Don't fear it. Learn it. All right. A- anything can be learned. All right. It can. You just have to have that willingness and you have to have that confidence in yourself and believe that you really can take on this task of learning something new, all right? No matter what it is, whether it be medicine, I don't know, astrophysics, cooking, right? I'm scared. I was scared to cook for the longest time and I realized, well, you know what? You just have to sit down and learn how to cook chicken the right way. It took me forever to cook a chicken breast for the longest time because I would always overcook it and it would be, you know, super rubbery. And, you know, it's one of those you can throw it against the wall and bounce right back to you, right? It was that kind of consistency when I cooked chicken. So, you know, it's just trial and error, you know. You're, you, you know, I just want to encourage you to really try something new, learn a new task, learn a new hobby, you know, whatever that may be, okay? So a uh, bunch of little different tangents there. But there they are. So uh, I want to talk about Anguilla. Let's talk about it, okay? So I get asked a lot, how in the world did you know about Anguilla? Okay, how did you know? 
And quite frankly, I had no clue about Inguil. I didn't know what it was. Um, I was actually in Alabama. I was working on a master's in molecular biology and genetics, uh, going to Alabama A&M University, right? It's in uh, normal Alabama, just on the outskirts of Huntsville. And during that time, I was waiting to get into med school. Um, you know, you have to take your MCAT. It's like that entry-level class, uh, exam for med school. And so I actually took it, and I did not do good on it. I bombed it hard. Um, it, it's, it, it was not a very good score at all. It wasn't competitive. And so... Um, I decided to, you know, I needed to take it, you know, a couple more times, but, you know, I wanted to have enough months to really study for this thing, do well on it, get into a good school. And so I took it three times. All right. That is a lot of times to take the MCAT uh, to get into, uh, you know, med school. But I wanted to, you know, follow my dream, right? At this point, I had already spent five years doing prerequisites just to get into med school, right? Because there's a lot of required courses you have to take, you know, up to physics two with Cal two, organic chemistry, um, you know, one and two biology, you know, you have to meet all the requirements. There's a lot of math requirements. You know, again, I talked about, you know, calculus two. Um, I started at the very bottom. I started at math 98. Um, I took that math placement test. Uh, just to see where you are, you know, what math courses can you clep out of? And I started at Math 98. I was not very good at math. I wasn't. Uh, even growing up in grade school, I was awful. I was a C student, maybe D, if at best. So, um, you know, so I was like, well, let's let's start this. Let's get to it. So over the years, I took all those prerequisites, and I learned, and I improved, and I had that motivation. I had that fire that was lit, right? It only takes one match to cause a forest fire. One little match, one spark, and then after that, forest fire. It can cover a lot. It all starts with just one little match, right? That, that, that motivation. I want you to use that metaphor, right? That motivation to drive you. You know, you, there's, there's so many things that you were capable of. And for the longest time, I did not think I was capable. That's why I didn't become a physician. I didn't believe that I was capable. It was time to start believing, all right? Today, it is time to start believing, okay? So fast forward, you know, I'm, I'm, in that, uh, I'm in that year where, you know, I've taken my prerequisites and I'm working on this master's, you know, while I get into med school. And I'm taking a course in my uh, master's level, and I think it was, like a, it was like a cardiology course. It was like a cardiology physiology course, um, and the teacher, the uh, professor, he had heard that I wanted to uh, do med school. He actually saw me in my scrubs one day and asked me where I was working. And I was working as a um, cardiovascular technician at Heart Center in Huntsville, Alabama. And, you know, he said, you know, so are you trying to get into med school? I was like, yeah, I am. You know, I'm needing to, you know, I've improved on my MCAT. You know, I was able to get a good enough score to where I could apply and realistically get in somewhere in the U.S. And he said, well, have you ever considered the Caribbean? And I said, the Caribbean, like Caribbean med school? And he said, yeah, have you ever considered it? I was like, honestly, sir, I have never researched into it. Um, I've, I think there's a lot of negative stigma when it comes to med schools that are not, uh, you know, that are not based in the U.S., and that's more so just from a lack of education. That's a lack of me, you know, really doing my research. 
um, you know, and I wanted to see, well, hey, you know, um, you know, what, what, what does it entail, you know, does, is, is this going to prepare me to be a physician that will be able to practice medicine in the U.S.? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I have quite a few colleagues that are physicians, and that's where I learned the term IMG, International Medical Graduate. And he showed me uh, the school. He actually said his father lived on this tiny little island called, in, called Anguilla. And I said, sorry, I've never heard of that. Is that, a, is that a real place? He said, yeah, it's just off of, uh, it's, you know, close to uh, Puerto Rico. And it's it's very close to St. Martin. So essentially the way to get there, you you know, you you go to Atlanta. And for me, I did Huntsville to Atlanta. And then I flew from Atlanta to St. Martin. And then I would take a ferry over to the island of Anguilla. It's just that easy. So the first thing I do, I get on my laptop and I YouTube Anguilla. I just want to see the island. I want to see what it's like. And when I look at it, when I see this video, I mean, it's the most beautiful beaches I have ever seen. It is known for having the most beautiful beaches in the world. Uh, it's also known for a lot of celebrities uh, that, you know, go there on vacations. Uh, LeBron James, Justin Bieber, you know, they actually would go there and, you know, they spend a week or two in these villas that are there. Uh, it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, the weather, you know, 80, 85 year round, um, you know, is just so pretty. But my big thing was, all right, what does the school look like? Uh, I want to see it. And, uh, you know, when I was researching it, you just see a bunch of different, you know, island areas. And then you see these collection of buildings, like two-story buildings, you know, all clustered together. It's like a little mini campus. It looks like a campus that does not belong in that area of the island. You know, the grass is super green. It's well-groomed. Um, it's just, it doesn't look like it belongs. And that is the medical school. And so... I wanted to make sure, is this a legitimate school? You know, am I able to really, you know, get a good education out of here? And so, again, I did more research. If you don't know something, just do your research. Just look into it. Does this school allow me to sit for the U.S. Medical Licensure Exam, uh, the U.S. MLE, right? Step one, step two, step three. I'm sure you've heard of all of those. Those three exams, they allow you to become a fully licensed physician in, in the United States. Uh, so, two, th you know, two things. One, you have to pass those collections of tests. And two, you have to complete a residency to be able to practice medicine in the United States. So those are those requirements. So I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do this, I was going to commit to it. And I'm not talking about commit to like my studies. I knew I would do that. But I was what I was curious about was, I mean, this is one of the most beautiful places in the world. The weather is amazing. How does one focus and concentrate in an environment like this? Um, I was very curious about it. So I did more research and then eventually, you know, I reached out to some current students and asked about their experience and they said they love it. Uh, it's very hard. It's very challenging. Majority of the professors actually come from U.S. schools. Some come from, you know, internationally from other countries and they're very knowledgeable in their respective fields. They know what they're doing. They prepare you for residency and obviously my big thing was okay that's awesome so like you know what residence what residency can you get by going to this school and really it's based upon you uh not specifically just the school but it's mainly based upon you uh yes a lot of programs do consider u.s trained uh medical students compared to non-u.s trained such as myself uh because i ended up going to you know that school the the my caribbean school 
And so, uh, you know, they consider a lot of those different aspects. Um, but, you know, you have your licensure exams that you take, and obviously the, you know, you need to score well on these tests compared to your other U.S. medical student counterparts to really be competitive. So I'm, I'm thinking of all this, and, and there's a reason I'm not going right into my adventure yet, because I wanted to make sure for me, I'm doing my research. I know that what the plan's going to be. There's going to be a timeline. I'm going to make sure that I get the best education possible by going to this school of this caliber. I wanted to make sure that it was accredited. I wanted to make sure that uh, it met the standards of that of a even a U.S. med school. So to make sure that they are meeting those standards, right, they have an accrediting body called the Caribbean Accreditation Authority for Education in Medicine and Other Health Professions, CAMHP, right? So it's an accrediting body for the education programs and the School of Medicine, Dentistry, Veterinary Medicine, Nursing, all these other professions in uh, 15 member nations of the Caribbean community. All right. It was established in 2003, uh, headquartered in Jamaica. So, you know, this CAMHP is very important. And I'll talk a little bit about more about my involvement with CAMHP um, as I, I was actually vice president of our SGA, our student government body at my med school. So, you know, that's a big thing. You want to make sure that whatever school you go to, you know, if it's an international school, even a U.S. school, you want to make sure that they're accredited by some entity that recognizes that, hey, what I'm learning is going to be the absolute standard to be able to practice medicine at the highest level. It needs to meet that standard. And so once I saw that the school that I was going to choose, you know, was going to be that for, you know, St. James School of Medicine in Anguilla, uh, I had to go. I wanted to go. uh, I have never traveled internationally. I was terrified. I think even uh, so at the time I was in my late 20s, uh, I have not I had not flown since I was seven. And I think I flew to El Paso, Texas to see my late uh, grandfather and grandmothers. Uh, it was the one time I met them, <laughs> but I remember that was the last time I rode a plane. So, you know, there was a lot of that stress. There was a lot of that, um, you know, uncertainty of the unknown, but I just, I, I get asked a lot, like, you know, why, why do the Caribbean? Why not just, you know, go to a U.S. school. And I, I think I had, at this point, I was just so motivated. I was like, I'm doing all these new things. I'm accomplishing all these new things. And I love adventure. And I know that obtaining a residency, a good residency, can be done because a lot of former students, they were able to get great residencies. And that motivated me. That inspired me. Um, and so, you know, make sure, you know, do your research. Reach out to other students from, you know, past Caribbean schools or other international schools and see what their experience was, see what residencies they obtained. And, you know, that, that'll tell you, you know, look at their accreditation status, uh, for that school. Um, you know, just some things to really consider. And so, uh, when I just, (laughs) when I told my parents that I was, you know, accepted into, uh, my medical school, they were excited for me. And then when they asked where it was, they were still excited. They were more confused because they were questioning my choice to go there. And, and quite frankly, I just wanted to have a new experience. I mean, medicine in and of, in and of itself was a new experience for me, uh, just like social work was an experience for me. I wanted to try a new experience. Um, you know, I talked about my sister passing away 
in uh, episode two. And there were so many things that she did not get to experience in this life. She didn't get to travel internationally. She didn't get to do all the things that she wanted to do, go to all the places that she wanted to go to, see her boys grow up. You know, all these things that she didn't get to do. And that motivated me after she passed away. It motivated me to want to try new things. I was like, you know what? She would want me to go try new things because she would want to try new things. She would want to go to new places to explore. And that helped motivate me too to try something new. And so I got on that plane and I flew to the Caribbean. Uh, I started in January of 2016. Uh, it was like the first week of January, so you know, very very cold in North Alabama. Uh, I know, I know <laughs> some of my uh, Chicago friends and North Dakota friends and South Dakota friends are laughing right now, but yes, it was cold in North Alabama in January. So uh, you know, going from uh, like a, I think it was maybe fifteen sixteen degrees at the time from Alabama, and then flying in one day, getting to eighty five degree weather. In Anguilla, it was it was incredible. It was so amazing. However, I did pay for it. I developed a really bad cold. I think a lot of that attributed to not just the change, you know, in the environment, a change, you know, in the climate, but also I was at an airport. Um, you know, <laughs> hospitals are germy and dirty, so are airports. I mean, you're you're getting flushed into <laughs> tons of people all over the world. And, uh, yeah, you can get sick. So practice good hand hygiene, you know, uh, cover your mouth when you cough, you know, all those good things, you know, good hand hygiene, you'll be good to go. Okay. So, uh, you know, when I got there, I had, I had no clue who anyone was. I I knew one person that's because I found him on Facebook and we had communicated back and forth. Um, you know, he was in my class as well and, uh, very good guy. His name was Satish and, I remember uh, just talking with this guy. I mean, he was so excited to start medical school. He was very, very excited. This guy had a business background, and he decided to go into medicine, and I could relate to that, right? I had a social work background, you know, and and that encouraged me. I felt like, okay, I wasn't totally in over my head, you know? Him and I both admitted to each other. We had no clue. We had no clue what a a cell was, how it worked, and, you know, we we learned along the way on, on how, you know, cells work and you know, just one little thing at a time, one bite at a time, right? I'm going to be talking about that. I, you know, bringing that up from prior episodes, right? How to eat an elephant, one bite at a time. It can be done, just one bite, okay? So, you know, we got there and we're, you know, happy to see each other, just excited. And, you know, from then on out, uh, I was able to meet uh, so many other people. Um, you know, when I first got there, I thought I was getting a, <laughs> I thought I was getting a house with, uh, you know, just by myself. And then I find that I'm actually going to share this house house with somebody else. Um, and I was like, uh, I thought I was getting this place by myself. Like, Oh no, you're getting a roommate. Um, I was like, okay. I mean, and this wasn't like school housing. This was just housing in Anguilla. You know, they have apartments everywhere. They have rooms to rent. They have all these different places. Um, you know, but just to give you an idea, Anguilla, not big at all. Okay. Not big at all, okay? It's roughly, uh, I think it was 16 miles long and three miles wide. Um, so you can imagine how, how big that is. I mean, if you look at a picture of Anguilla, right? And I learned this. This was pretty cool, right? The uh, the entomology of all uh, of, of it. Um, you know, 
Anguilla, it actually means eel, right? So uh, in turn from the Latin diminutive of anguius, I'm probably saying that wrong. Don't call me out on it, uh, which means snake. So if you look at, you know, a picture of Anguilla, it does look like a little eel, a snake. I thought it looked like a shriveled up piece of bacon that was cooked too long and it was extra crispy. That's, that's, that's the Alabama food coming out of me. But yeah, it was named after like the eel, the snake. And so, um, you know, when we got there, um, I met my uh, roommate. Um, so I was going to be there for 16 months, right? You, you go there, you do your book work, and then you go back to the States and you do, uh, you study for your step one licensure, which is one of the hardest exams I have ever had to take in my life. Uh, as many of my colleagues know, uh, it's one of those tests where if you cannot pass it, you're going to change your career again, right? The, this is that test where you, it's either, it either makes you or breaks you, right? And after that, that's kind of the pinnacle of, of, you know, difficulty when it comes to med school. After that, if you pass step one, you're going to be fine. That, that's kind of the general consensus uh, of that. So I met my roommate, uh, Vishav, a uh, great guy from uh, Las Vegas. I'd never met anybody from Las Vegas before, and he's the first one I've ever met. Such a good guy. We had, uh, you know, we carpooled to classes, you know, to school every day together. We 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 lived in on the third floor of this penthouse. I mean, like there was a 360. It was like a square building, and it was a 360, uh, you know, patio, covered patio. Um, it was it was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, you know, we got along well, um, you know, we, you know, we experienced med school together, uh, well, and, um, yeah, there was no AC. Okay. And the great thing about that is, well, there's nothing great about it, but the, the good thing that w- was the fact that we were so close to the beach there and we were on the third floor. So we got that great breeze from the beach. And it's just, it it kept you cool. I mean, obviously AC would have helped, but you know, very, very few places had, you know, had those, uh, air conditioning units, very few of them. And if they did, you're, you're going to pay for it in rent. You are. So with that being said, uh, let's just talk about med school in and of itself. Um, so med school for us, you know, we met, uh, Monday through Fridays. We had classes eight o'clock to five o'clock every day. Um, and you know, we went over, you know, all the basic courses that you take in medical school, you know, with anatomy, embryology, and then physiology, pathology, all those good courses. Um, you know, they, they were the very similar courses, the standards that you were supposed to meet, uh, to be able to be successful as a physician. Uh, we were exposed to those basic sciences courses. So, uh, for my school in particular, you go to, uh, you stay on the Island, uh, for, you know, 16 months total. At the time, it was 16 months. It's now extended out to 20 to include a prep course for the USMLE Step 1. But when I was there, it was 16 months of book work. And then you'd go home to the States and you would study for your licensure exam, however long that may have taken you. I remember that one of the hardest things to do in med school, especially on a Caribbean island, is to maintain your studies and to balance out the fact that not only are you in medical school, you're also on one of the most beautiful islands in the world uh, when it came to, you know, luxurious resorts and beautiful beaches, great temperatures year round. And so that was that added distraction, right? So you had to practice that responsibility. You had to make sure that you were doing your due diligence 
by making sure that you studied when you did. I mean, we had quizzes every other day, um, you know, whatever classes it may have been. So really it was almost like having quizzes every day because in some classes they overlap, some classes they were one after the other. So you, they kept you on your toes. They, they made sure to quiz the mess out of you. Um, you know, and we always had block exams, you know, each block was, you know, usually four weeks duration and we had those block exams. And then after that is when we all got together, we celebrated, you know, we went out to the beach at night, you know, we went, uh, you know, to different places, you know, got some great food, good nightlife, all that good stuff. But, uh, what was the downfall of many people was that they'd want to go out and party, you know, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I'm like, guys, how are you? you know, how are you doing this? And, you know, they'd always say, hey, we have it under control. It's okay. And then, you know, a couple of months later, uh, you wouldn't see them the next semester. They they had flunked out. They'd partied way too much. And it happens. Um, but uh, for me in particular, you know, I wasn't just doing medical school. I was working on uh, my master's degrees concurrent. So at the same time, and I did that just because I wanted to be uh, competitive come residency uh, interview time. Uh, so I, you know, in November 2015, I started my master's in public health. And uh, about, you know, two and a half years later, I finished that. And then I immediately started on my master's in health administration. And this the entire time, I had to balance it out. I, you know, uh, Wednesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays were my master's nights, right? So all the other nights I would study, uh, and those other nights were more dedicated for my master's homework. So it, it was definitely a balance. It was not easy by any means. Uh, you know, take your breaks. You have to take your breaks here and there, you know, maybe like an hour of two of your favorite show. You know, for me, it's how I met your mother. That's my all time favorite show. So if you need a good indicator of how well you and me will, uh, get along together. I mean, I'm generally nice to everybody. I, I think anybody can tell you that I'm pretty approachable. I'm friendly. I'm nice, but how I met your mother, that will be it. Um, <laughs> I know that show religiously, annoyingly, I can quote it. Um, it's a great show. Anyway, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. I won't spoil anything for you, but, um, you know, you need to take those breaks, right? You need to make sure that you're, uh, taking care of your mind, you're taking care of your body, your soul, your spirit. I mean, you need all those things to be successful. And if there's a lapse in one of those, it, it will follow you. Um, you know, and there were nights where I just, I could not retain any information. It doesn't matter how beautiful this island is. I am still in medical school and that stress is still there. You know, I mean, if I'm fearing, uh, you know, maybe, uh, in, you know, microbiology, you know, if I'm not able to retain some of the characteristics for, you know, this type of parasite uh, versus another type of parasite, you know, that's going to bother me. And you have to find ways on how to decompress on how to, you know, forgive yourself. So, you know, throughout med school, it was a lot of learning. It was, it was a lot of uh, learning how to learn. Um, You know, you're going to fail at things, you know, I, I, I failed quizzes, I failed exams, sure. But you know, I improved over time. That's the thing. You need to track your progress. You need to improve. Um, I always say at the end of each show, you know, give yourself some grace. My goodness, did I need to give myself some grace during medical school. So for all of those uh, that are in med school right now, keep up the good work. Keep up, you know, fight the good fight. Um, you know, you will get past it. If you're studying for that step one, hey, I'm wishing you the best of luck. Um, I know I know how hard it was. I, you know, I spent 16 months on the island. 
uh, you know, got through the, um, you know, got through the book work. We had our white coat ceremony. It was a beautiful, beautiful uh, scenery. You know, uh, I was able to give like a little little speech of encouragement and whatnot. It was it was pretty great. And uh, we all went off on our separate ways to. Uh, well, at the time, uh, we would go to Chicago, and we did like a little like like a three, four month semester of, uh, you know, a prep course for USMLE step one. And then after that, you're on your own, you know, you <laughs> pass your step one and then you can start clinical rotations. That was, that was kind of the, what the rule was back then. Um, so for me, I mean, I, I went back to my childhood home, uh, you know, in my thirties and I am studying 16 hours a day, six days a week, uh, to do the best I can on this exam. And it's not because I enjoyed it. It's because that's what allowed me to be successful. That's what allowed me to be able to retain all these little facts, all these, all this information that you need, you know, and, and recall, you have to have a very fast recall when it comes to, you know, answering questions, right? So, um, you know, the island, it's, I miss it. I really do. One day I'm going to go back. I really am. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to be. It'll probably be after I finish my fellowship. Um, but, uh, I do miss it. It was a great time. Met a lot of good people, a lot of great personalities. And I see some of them from here from time to time. Uh, but make those friendships, you know, if you're in medical school, you know, really, uh, engage in those close bonds and learn what you can, um, you know, as a medical student, you know, if you're doing any other kind of school, any kind of graduate work, I know I've had people reach out to me like, Hey, I'm not in med school or anything, but I'm working on a master's in this, or I'm working on an undergrad in that. Hey, keep it up. You know, you're doing great. You're doing big things. Um, you get one life to live, you know, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with your one life? Um, you know, so I'm, I'm proud of you. I want to encourage you, uh, just keep it up. But yeah, I do miss the Island. Uh, <laughs> one little side, uh, side note, uh, you know, Anguilla is, uh, you know, United Kingdom territory. So, uh, funny little side story, uh, with my parents, my mom and dad, they came, uh, you know, they, they came over to, uh, Anguilla. It was their first time in the Caribbean. And I didn't tell them that it was, you know, United Kingdom territory. So, you know, when you drive, you know, you drive on the left side of the road and I did not tell them that. So when I went to go, uh, pick them up in my rental car, uh, at the ferry, at the ferry port, you know, they got through and everything, welcomed them. And um, as soon as I got on the road, my dad, he was in the passenger side. Uh, he was freaking out. He was grabbing my arm. He was like, get in the other lane. You're in the wrong lane. And I said, dad, we're not in America anymore. You know, and it was, uh, it was really funny, but, um, you know, they, they had a great time there. They enjoyed it. Um, you know, just to enjoy that time. And, and it all came, came to pass, you know? So, um, you know, with that being said, um, you know, wherever life takes you, um, whether you're doing medical school in the United States, you know, good for you for, you know, being there and, you know, Hey, if you decide to do, you know, the Caribbean or you do some other, you know, international medical school, like I did, I chose that, you know, I wasn't forced to do Caribbean medical school. I chose to do that because I did my research and I wanted to do something different. You know, you live one life. And I got to spend it in paradise for a year and a half while also learning how to become a doctor. Um, you know, and it was a great time. It really was. You know, it was book work. I mean, we got to do dissections on cadavers. Um, you know, we got the whole medical school experience. And it was really exciting. You know, um, 
I had so many great professors, had so many great, you know, faculty and staff that I worked with uh, while I was there. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I got to serve as vice president of our student government association. And that was really great, too, you know, getting to, you know, work with people and, you know, deal with any kind of like inner student conflicts as you know, that happens. And, um, you know, I got to also, uh, you know, attend accreditation meetings, you know, just to make sure that our school was fulfilling its duties and making sure that we were, you know, being taught what we needed to be taught in order to be successful as a physician. We were meeting the standards of the curriculum. You know, if there are any other issues that, uh, you know, maybe perhaps we weren't going over this particular bit of curriculum that, or, you know, anything, any of concerns that we may have had, you know, we, you know, I got to represent a voice of our student body. So that was pretty cool. That was a really great experience to be um, involved with that. So I encourage you, you know, those medical students that are in, you know, you're in med school right now, get involved with some clubs, organizations, you know, residency uh, interviews. They they enjoy hearing about your extracurriculars. I mean, yeah, I, I did a couple of master's degrees. They like that, especially the, you know, doing that concurrent, how to, you know, it's really budgeting time is the main thing that they like. Uh, but also showing that you have that social side to you. You have a, you know, community service side of you. Um, you know, I got to serve as vice president of the Student Government Association. I was the uh, Red Cross president at the time. I also got to be buddy program coordinator. And so pretty much the buddy program was to be able to, to allow students, you know, inco- new incoming students to match up with a student that's already been on the island for a couple of months, you know, an upper level and they were able to kind of help guide them, you know, through that transition. I mean, it is a very scary transition. And I remember my buddy and he helped guide me. He answered all my questions that I had. He helped me out with resources. He helped me to know, you know, what was a good flow? Like what was like a good successful day? Like what did that look like for a medical student? And he really helped me uh, set that up. You know, there was never any dumb question. You know, don't fear asking questions. You need to ask questions. Um, you know, for whatever you're doing. And uh, he answered them for me. And I I was really appreciative of it. You know, sometimes we get so shy, you know, we have that social anxiety. I have mad social anxiety, believe it or not. I am very socially anxious. And my outlet is more so to, you know, go to the gym, work it off, um, or do things like this podcast. Uh, This is my way of doing that. Uh, It's mad social anxiety. It's, It's pretty rough. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Daniel Tosh. He's on Comedy Central. He's a stand-up comedian, does a lot of funny bits. Um, you would never guess it, but he also has really bad social anxiety. He did open up about that um, in a little chat that he was having. I, I forgot where he said it, but that kind of reached out to me. That really inspired me, and it made me feel better about my own social anxiety. So that's it. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and check out all the Phil's podcasts on Instagram. I want to thank my producer and marketing director, Caleb McLean, for his hard work and diligence. Remember to give yourself some grace and remember to join me next week as we get into the feels in all the Phil's. So long. <laughs>